and welcome to Differing Neurotypes, the show that details the ways one neurodivergent person tries to make their life a little easier in a neurotypical world, while not harming their brain or their soul. I'm your host, Claire McDonough, and today we're going to be doing a Q&A type episode. I put out a call for questions on my TikTok at artistic.underscore.dreams.underscore and my Instagram to find questions people wanted to ask a neurodivergent person but hadn't been able to. To answer these questions, with me today I have a number of guests, including Miles, Bailey, and Shiloh Gray. Today's format is going to be quick introductions to our guests, including age, pronouns, and specific diagnoses if they would like, and then I will introduce the questions individually and our guests will answer them. Now, my guests are not live here with me today, but they sent in answers on a Google Doc to the questions, and so I will be reading those for you to gain some different perspectives. Miles is 21, and they use they-them pronouns for the moment they're still questioning. Um, They're currently diagnosed with ADHD, obsessive-compulsive tendencies, bipolar, and they're working on getting an autism diagnosis as well. Bailey is a 26-year-old trans woman, and she uses she-her pronouns. She was diagnosed with bipolar in 2015-16, but was later diagnosed instead with CPTSD in 2019. Shiloh Gray is 20, and he uses he-him pronouns. He's diagnosed with ADHD, bipolar, depression, and severe anxiety, and he is trying to get a DID and autism diagnosis as well. Finally, I'm Claire, and I'm 16. I use she-her pronouns for the most part. I have anxiety and depression, and I'm working on getting ADHD and autism diagnoses as well. Question number one. How do you feel about neurotypical people using stims and fidgets? Shiloh said, Personally, stims and fidgets are fine to me. I stim and fidget so much, it's not even funny. Depending on the stim, though, they can be harmful to themselves and sometimes other people. Miles said, I think if it helps a neurotypical person to fidget and stim, then it shouldn't be any of our business. Many coping strategies that work for neurodivergent people also work for neurotypical people. They just usually are not willing to try it. A world that's accessible to to the disabled is accessible to everybody. And my personal answer is that I think neurotypical people do stim naturally, although it's less obvious than when neurodivergent people stim. As long as they're using their stims to help themselves, I think it's fine. Um, The problem only begins when people use stims and fidgets to mock neurodivergent people by doing stereotypical movements in a mocking way, which is not okay. Question number two. How has your neurodivergency affected your life in a positive and negative way? Shiloh said, my neurodivergency has honestly affected me in both ways. In the negative, I feel like I cannot function on my own, and anything too overwhelming, even mild, causes me to break down big time. The positive, though, is that I'm more aware of my surroundings, and I've got better reflexes. I can also help those who are struggling with their own issues because I know and have dealt with it before. Bailey had trouble being medicated for the wrong thing as a kid, which affected her as well as she says, said, I don't trust what doctors, what most doctors have to say to me anymore because usually they've been wrong. As a kid growing in the 90s, 
There was a lot of stigma against mental health, the spectrum, and LGBTQIA people in general. I was a closeted trans woman living in an incredibly religious small town community under the oppressive eye of a religious father. Every way I ever tried to express myself was scrutinized. In elementary school, they assigned women to follow me wherever I went to make sure I wasn't causing trouble. Eventually, my parents pulled me out of school for a year and a half until I was old enough for middle school. So being a neurodivergent member of society, whatever my true diagnosis is, makes me feel incredibly alone. Every action I make, I feel like someone is there waiting to tell me it's wrong. I'm incredibly critical of myself and I have this inner voice inside of me constantly trying to tear my self-esteem to shreds. Miles said, I personally see a positive trait of my neurodivergence to be my ability to see miscommunications as they happen and also the empathy that comes with it for me personally. A negative is how school went for me. I was undiagnosed, still partly am, and for so long that I never had any help and was always told I wasn't doing well enough or trying hard enough when really I was doing my best. And for me, a positive trait of my neurodivergence is my honesty and my way with kids. I'm really good with at communicating with kids and matching their energy levels. Um, but there are several negative traits I can think of, but the biggest ones include, include friendships I lost and didn't know why I lost because of my struggles with communication, struggling with organization and focusing in school, but still getting good enough grades so that my struggles were overlooked, and uh, panic attacks from sensory overload that I didn't realize was sensory overload at the time. Question number three. What are some challenges that you face because of your neurodivergence, and how do you face them in your day-to-day -day life? Shiloh said, Well, for starters, I do have a service dog in training. Training him is very hard, though, due to my disorders and other issues. So to face my neurodivergence, I usually take a break from what I'm doing, and I draw. Drawing, for me, is my biggest coping mechanism, alongside riding horses when they're available to me. I draw anything that I feel in that moment, and once I'm okay to continue with my task, I do. If I'm in public, I usually bring my dog with me, and I usually have my phone to message those I feel comfortable around. I always bring things to mess with in case I get anxious. If I can't handle the store, I walk out and sit with my dog until I'm okay enough to go back in. Bailey said, I was misdiagnosed several times as a kid, as an adult, to the point where I just simplify what I have or what's wrong with me as just trauma. I have trauma. And I'm working on healing that trauma, and a lot of it comes from being zombified on methamphetamines for most of my elementary school career because trusted professionals in my life at that time made a snap judgment about who and what I was. And current day, I don't know if they were right. I stopped taking my ADHD medication at age 11. That was my choice, and I felt so much better afterwards. Miles said, The main challenge I face is not understanding when I have done something wrong. My brain can't always wrap around the fact that I was in the wrong, and so it is something I'm working on. When somebody calls me out, I've learned to cope with this by asking them to explain to me what it, it is exactly that I did to upset them. Otherwise, I can't seem to grasp it. The last question, question four. What are the most annoying or rude questions you get asked or rude pe things people say? Shiloh said, well, I've been asked why I'm anxious if I'm not doing anything, and I've been asked why I'd break down if I'm not doing enough to be causing a breakdown, and my answer is always the same, because I can't handle as much as you. And I've been told before that things so simple should not make me feel so horrid. 
but we're all different. We handle things differently, and some people can handle so little it hurts. Bailey said, if you don't like it that much, then change it, is the stupidest statement anyone can ever say to me. I'm working on changing it. I work so hard every day. But if they spend a day in my head being worn down by my intrusive thoughts all day long and being lost in flashbacks of times I haven't quite forgiven myself for, they wouldn't tell me I can just do something about my issues. I'm going to be spending my the rest of my life doing that. Miles said, I think the one that stings the most is, you're so annoying, or you've been this weird since you were a kid, you're never going to change. Both of those put a very negative spin on the differences in my brain, and they sting. I grew up being called, and still am largely called, annoying for simply existing. I talk a lot and I get excited, but I also have social anxiety, So and so the way I act in public is really confusing to people. It's even confusing for me sometimes. And to wrap this question out, my answer. The worst one I'm told is everyone does that or everyone struggles with that. I was told this a lot throughout my childhood, especially by my parents, and it is not their fault because they're also neurodivergent but were undiagnosed. And so they didn't really have a concept of not everyone does that. But it really bothers me because it trivializes my struggles. Just because many people may experience something shouldn't lessen the impact of something impacting me. This phrase also led to delays in being able to start diagnostic processes because it was often said by my parents, who we've now learned are neurodivergent, because they didn't realize there were their experiences weren't universal, and so I was just kind of told to suck it up and deal with it. Thank you for tuning in today as we covered a lot of topics including things people say and how our neurodivergence affects our life. This was a little bit heavier of a conversation topic today but I hope you gained some interesting insights and some different perspectives. Thanks for listening today. Just a reminder that this is just our opinions and experiences but others may relate too. Thank you so much to today's guests for joining me in answering people's questions. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Differing Neurotypes, episode 7, titled Q&A.